There's been a lot of situations where we greet someone at the door and we say, hi, I'm Pastor Zach. And they say, no, but really, where's the other pastor? Like, where's the, where's the senior uh, pastor? <laughs> <laughs> this is the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, Caitlin Deal And James Lee. Hey everyone, Caitlin here. I'm excited to share with you that we are starting our third series of the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast titled Rejoice. Awesome episodes are lined up for this series, including a conversation with Reverend Michael Smith and Corbin Payne from Clinton UMC on how they've successfully launched a Clinton Church mobile app, and a talk with Jason Moore, workshop leader for this annual conference on how churches can take their worship to the next level. Wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, be sure to give us a five-star rating and hit the subscribe button so that you'll be the first ones to know when these episodes come out. Now, without further ado, here is our conversation on equipping young leaders with Pastor Zach Wooten. Hello, hello, hello. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, His name is Pastor Zach Wooten. He's a senior pastor at First UMC in Mount Holly. Uh, He is, how old are you, Zach? 24. He's 24 years old and married. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, ladies. Uh, Okay, anyway, (laughs) that's a terrible start. But we're very excited to have you on the show. We're actually starting a new series uh, this week called Rejoicing. We want to celebrate all the different things that are going on in the conference leading up to our annual conference at the end of May. So, uh, Zach, thanks for being on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you, Zach. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your call to ministry? Sure. So I'm originally from uh, York, Pennsylvania, and I wanted to be a music teacher since I was 12 years old. So that was the original plan and uh, had kind of geared myself toward that. Went to college at Westchester University of Pennsylvania and studied music education. And uh, along the way, um, started to kind of feel tugged away from all of that. I had grown up um, not necessarily in the church in a conventional sense. My uh, uh, family didn't go, but um, I went to kind of church hopped. And so vacation Bible school was like free daycare uh, for my parents. And so I have been (laughs) thinking about now. (laughs) So I have, uh, you know, I've been to all of the vacation Bible schools and uh, can tell you who has the best crafts in York, Pennsylvania. Um, Snacks are my favorite. So yeah, so I, I, I went to uh, Westchester University and was studying music education, started to feel kind of tugged away and had uh, been going to some different churches during my time there. Um, but one summer I decided that I would get some experience working with kids. And so um, I did a children's ministry internship um, and actually worked with my with my sister and uh, did that at a, the, a Presbyterian church in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, and spent the summer uh, organizing a vacation Bible school. And that was a really uh, kind of profound experience for me and uh, wish I could do some more of this. And so I got connected to a a church uh, near my uh, near my university and was going to be a choir director there. So I applied to be a choir director at this church and maybe get some music experience along the way. And uh, the pastor called me and he said that the position had been filled. <laughs> and so I said, well, okay, well, thanks for calling me and letting me know that. Uh, and he said, but do you feel called to ministry? And I just kind of, you know, paused for a second and tried to offer the most diplomatic answer I could. And I just, you know, <laughs> we're all called to ministry, aren't we? And, <laughs> um, he, he sort of laughed and said, 
you know, if, you, if you do feel called to ministry, uh, we have a youth director position available. And uh, kind of put the phone down for a second, ran over to my uh, sister's office, and I said, can I, can I do that? Like, is that something that I could just apply for? And, and she said, well, why not? And so um, went and I interviewed with this church and, and got connected to them. And I served as a youth minister for two years. Uh, and along, the, along that way, uh, uh, started to feel that tug away from music and into something else and wish I could just do ministry all the time. And um, by the time I was finally like right on the edge of going to ministry, I was preparing for uh, youth Sunday school the next day and wrote on the board the lesson that we were going to do in the memory verse, which was from Proverbs that many are the plans in the human heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. And I just kind of, all right, that was the moment kind of where I knew that I needed to be exploring this. So, uh, got in the car the next day and visited a seminary near me and um, visited several seminaries after that. And uh, from there, uh, was finally enrolled in uh, Princeton Seminary, uh, where I met uh, Dr. Kenda Dean um, and met Trey Wentz. And along came the Mosaic program and, and knew I had to do that. Awesome. So tell us, uh, what is Mosaic? I think a lot of people heard about it. It's kind of this thing that they've once heard about, but is maybe unclear to some of us. So can you just explain to us what is Mosaic Ministries and what is it about? The the overall purpose from, from what I uh, have done and from what I have seen is to e- equip uh, young or new pastoral leaders, um, to put them in collaborative ministry settings with uh, either one partner or multiple partners. And then uh, from there to place them in churches that otherwise would not have um, either a full-time pastor or the same level of, of energetic leadership. Um, and so it kind of is supposed to be this mutually beneficial relationship between young pastoral leaders and uh, smaller congregations. So, so how has a Mosaic helped you to get to where you are today? For me, it's uh, given me a lot of um, chances to take risks, chances to fail well, um, and chances to to try some new initiatives in in more traditional settings. And so, uh, it's given me a lot of experience, and that's the, been the best. Um, and it's kind of a, a lab in a way because I'm still in seminary um, throughout this whole time, and um, so you have that theoretical, theological training alongside this practical, uh, meaningful experience. So, does this count as your field education? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. So how did you get placed, um, you know, at first UMC at Mount Holly? So um, I was originally part of the section of Mosaic that was called the Training Hub. There's there's two of us per church. And so there were originally, um, there was a pilot program. And then the year after that, there were three churches with two each. And none of us in the beginning were actually United Methodists coming in. And <laughs> so it's been a recruitment endeavor for many of the <laughs> pastors there. Um, but uh, the way that they placed us is they they looked for kind of general health markers because um, you wouldn't want to put a pastor um, that is a student pastor in a, in a church that is, uh, you know, kind of chew them up and spit them out. They told us originally, these are places that, that want young leaders and they're ready and excited for you. And initially I said, yeah, sure. Okay. They're excited for us, but they were. And so that's the district. They worked with the district superintendents to find uh, churches that met that health marker. Great. So why do you think Mosaic is appointing young leaders to churches uh, with older people rather than, say, appointing an older, maybe retired clergy to these churches or appointing the young leaders like yourself to placements with a younger congregation closer to your age? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I definitely have had the experience of, of entering in and uh, thinking, you know, what are these people who have studied the Bible and lived the life of faith their whole their whole lives? And uh, what are they going to think of these t- 
two 24-year-olds walking in and saying, hey, we're your pastors. And there's been a lot of situations where uh, we greet someone at the door and we say, hi, I'm Pastor Zach. And they say, no, but really, where's the other pastor? Like, where's the where's the senior uh. pastor? <laughs> and we've had parishioners say, oh, you could be my grandchild. But I think with, uh, with time, um, you, and with like with any pastoral call, you're going to prove yourself over the course of your time that you're going to earn their trust. And so I think this church was extremely open to the fact um, that uh, that we were going to serve as their pastors. And so they gave us a lot of a lot of grace and a lot of uh, opportunity uh, to do that. And so I think that over the course of our time there, um, it's been a really meaningful experience for, for both parishioners and, and the pastors. Um, perhaps there's an expectation that, you know, there's this young people and young, other young adults will just flock in because they see a young pastor. And I don't know if that's necessarily, um, necessarily true, uh, but I do think that it offers a unique vantage point that if both parties are willing to work together and, and see their ministry together, that, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to bear fruit uh, for the for the church. You're going into one point. I just want to clarify. You're not shadowing another pastor in this church. You're the senior pastor. Correct. There's two of us that are co-pastors, and we are the staff. Um, there's a music minister at our church, but other than that, it's just us, and um, so we we are the pastors of the church. Wow. Yeah. That could get kind of lonely, don't you think? Yeah, and fortunately, the the I mean, having the partner is helpful. Uh, definitely, because you can walk out of a meeting and, and, and reassess where you're going and develop a shared vision together. Uh, but there's also the benefit of the cohort of Mosaic pastors that, that get together and talk about uh, the similar uh, struggle that they face. And so we're, we're our own pace group. Um, and so we're able to do that together because it is a, a unique situation. How often do you guys meet together with the cohort? Initially, we met uh, weekly uh, going into it, um, especially as we were all starting up the program together. Um, but I think now we've shifted the model to uh, kind of doing retreats, kind of getaways, and then we check in on, a, on the phone uh, weekly. Great. Wow. That's a lot of leadership. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, I give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> so what experience of leadership development did you have at your current appointment and through Mosaic that you wouldn't have had otherwise? So without doing Mosaic, um, I wouldn't have had access to the uh, amount of experienced mentors that we are all given. So um, when we initially were appointed, we had, uh, you know, Trey Wentz, who's the director of New Disciples, who helps to oversee the Mosaic program. Um, and then um, our district superintendents that were involved, as well as a circuit elder. And then you have optional coaching mentoring. So there's a ton of people that if you utilize that, them and their experience and their knowledge, um, that would have, I wouldn't have had that at any other field education placement. Um, and then the the second thing is just because of uh, being a part of the cohort, there's been different resources given to us um, through these retreats that we've been involved in. And so uh, they bring in uh, guest speakers like Mark DeVries from Ministry Architects and uh, walk us through kind of administrative aspects of leadership. Uh, one of the phrases I think that they like to use is to give uh young pastors 10 years of experience in two years. And so they're constantly giving you all this information and um, trying to equip you with with all of the uh, tools that you wouldn't gain through theological education. That's awesome. So so to clarify, Mosaic is a two-year program, two-year commitment? So when I signed on, they, they you know welcomed us um, ex- with the expectation that we would be there for two years, um, which was helpful, I think, in getting buy-in from congregations, uh, because a lot of times small churches uh, change pastors more quickly in the appointment process within, within the UMC. Makes sense. So how long are you in 
along the two-year process, I guess. I'm about to end. So my appointment ends in, on June 30th. Oh, so July 1st. Is it's a whole new world. It's a new world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, before we go into that, I know we're going to go talk more about kind of the future plans you have. But before that, I want to hear a little more about your experience at Mount Holly. Like, um, is there a story that you could share with us in Mount Holly, working in that community in that church, that changed you? Yeah, there there are several, but um, one that immediately comes to mind, and one that I will carry with me is uh, we. Uh, there was a, a woman that came to our church that insisted that she was just church shopping. She likes to go to a bunch of different churches. She feels very connected uh, to the community as a whole. And we enc- you know, encouraged her to keep doing that and that we were, um, as United Methodists, uh, always in partnership with the full body of Christ and grateful for her presence whenever she could be there. And so over the time, she increased her investment and uh, interaction after interaction um, was positive and uh, eventually she became a member of our church and she wanted to become a formal member of our, of our congregation. And, uh, so, uh, she, she did that and she went through the whole process. And then, um, we launched an, a new ministry that is about storytelling and we went through the fruit of the spirit. And the one week was about joy. And we asked different people to tell a story about a time where they experienced joy. And this woman shared with the the group of about 20 or so that one of her most joyful moments was when she joined this congregation and she looked out and she finally felt like she belonged. Um, And this is a woman who's in her 70s. And that was such a powerful experience for me that she could feel maybe for the first time that she belonged to the body of Christ fully. Uh, And that experience stands out to me uh, because it's 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 about making disciples. It's about making people feel connected to God's love. Like I wanted to, because like when you guys came in, like what were you feeling when you first came into the church? To yeah. now that you're almost finished, so is it more like you get up there and be like, okay, I got this? And before I'd be like, oh no, I get, it. I'm not, I need to throw up right now. Like that would be me, honestly. I'd be like, nope. So like, where have you how have you grown from your first day on that pulpit to like? soon to be her last day on the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. So when we first got there, in my mind, uh, it's a lot of uh, prayer to be that uh, these people would receive this well and um, that God would be with me in the journey, like they're kind of hanging on to those promises of our faith, but um, also just faking it till you make it. Like, <laughs> if you don't <laughs> see that, I'm like, <laughs> 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 you know, so <laughs> stepping up and, uh, and, and, and this was a very traditional liturgical church in some ways, in other ways casual, but um, that was an experience that I never, ever had. Um, so there was a lot of before uh, meetings and before uh, worship services of looking things up and uh, it, it also being new to the Methodist world um, was just trying to, it was a learning curve. And so now I feel um, there's a lot less fake in it till you make it and a lot more of just being myself and learning to kind of embrace myself as a pastor and to embrace the context that I'm serving in right now. Um, so yeah, I think that has been a big change in me from the beginning to the end. Another thing that I heard from a lot of Mosaic churches is that there is also kind of this um, toning down of the traditional aspects of the worship and and introducing more contemporary factors, uh, contemporary characteristics of worship. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, uh, particularly in your context? Sure. Yeah. So this looks different, like you said, in, in each context. For us... Uh, what we have focused on is developing a uh, kind of second worshiping community that happens on Wednesday nights. And so it's a midweek connection opportunity for current members, but it's also an outreach uh, for people in our neighborhood who maybe haven't gone to church uh, or don't want to go to a traditional church. And so there's an informal liturgy that exists there, um, but they wouldn't know that. 
um, if, if they're just stepping in. And so um, it starts out with a potluck and it goes uh, to just to make people feel comfortable. There's music when they come in. That's a mix of secular and sacred music that's playing. And then at um, seven o'clock, we welcome everybody. And it's called Hungry for More because uh, we believe that uh, a lot of people are hungry for more food, but also hungry for more of what life has to offer. Um, and then it transitions into a storytelling time about kind of a broad theme of the faith um, rather than in some of our other Bible studies that are a deep uh, dive into the text. And so we look at these broad themes and there's a lot of discussion. And um, at the end, there's this um, the kind of closing ritual where we uh, stand in a circle, but we leave a space and we say that we stand in a circle to remind us that God loves us all just the same, no more, no less than anybody else. We stand in a circle to remind us that we're better off together than we are alone. And we leave in a big space um, in the middle of the circle to remind us that there's always room for more at God's table. And this has become a really powerful experience and it's uh, kind of maintained consistent attendance among people who don't come to Sunday morning worship Mm. um, as well. And so there's this informal piece that we chose to go a different route than incorporating that into the Sunday service, but rather developing a new space for it. What have been some challenges that you faced? You know, you put it really nicely. Um, I believe you said you failed well. Like, you didn't say it allowed you kind of to fail well, which is, that's how you learn. Is So what is, like, a failure? Not really failure, but what was, like, a challenge that was, like, oh, man. But you really learned from it to move your career forward. Yeah, so we knew that we needed to be doing outreach, and uh, we... Well, one of the things we tried to do was Methodist Muffin Monday, which is where what? basically what? That's just, that's yeah. just Methodist Muffin Monday. Yeah. That's so, when you name our podcast. Can <laughs> we please? So so this would involve me on Sunday evening baking a bunch of muffins and then setting up a table outside of our church to kind of greet people as they walk by and um, did this for about five or six weeks and uh, it did not go well. Um, you had people kind of crossing the street on the other side. <laughs> so they uh, pass you. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. And eventually, I mean, the goal was then that we would be, you know, and, and this started to happen. Other members started to bake the muffins and kind of get into the ministry a little bit, uh, but it just didn't it didn't land in the community we were in. And so we had to adjust and find some other ways of doing outreach. So that was, I would say, uh, an example of failing well. Because we tried it. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you can ask for and do. That's (laughs) awesome. I really want to, you need to patent that name (laughs) before we take it. Copyright that. (laughs) Methodist Muffin Monday. Trademark. Trademark. Copyright. You heard it first here. Yeah. And that's what's hard with a lot of these small churches who have part-time pastors is you only have, um, we have 20 hours a week each. And how do you how do you take that time and make the most of it? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because a lot of the time, a lot of that time goes into sermon prep, worship prep. Right. But now when you're thinking about making new disciples and mm-hmm. going becoming missional in your community, that's a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of uh, just brainstorming, right? Right. A lot of hours would go into that easily. Mm-hmm. But you guys are, seem to be doing an awesome job. And I hear great things from Mosaic. I'm really excited for where it's going and what it's doing, and especially for uh, all you guys that are coming out of Mosaic and what what kind of impact you will be making in uh, all the churches as you go into the system and all. But I want to ask you. So, yes, you are ending in uh, your appointment at Mount Holly on June 30th. What are your future plans in ministry? 
So I've been really intrigued with this model of co-pastoring, um, and that's what we've been doing. So I'm talking with some some churches about about that, and that collaborative ministry model I think is a a, a good strategic way if you have the right fit. Um, so that might be in my future. Um, and then I'm also uh, going to be pursuing a, a PhD in, in community leadership, um, which I hope to use that knowledge and, and use it to serve the church. So uh, when do you graduate? Did you graduate Princeton already? No, I graduate in, in May. In May. Okay, yeah. congratulations early. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, Caitlin is also graduating from her master's in May, right? Yeah. Congrats. Well, so. Yeah, well, months mm-hmm. after. But yeah, I like senioritis. I don't want to write anymore. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> calling it. Yeah. Calling yeah. it quits. <laughs> yeah, after after my MDiv, I was like, I'm done with school. But you're going right back at it with your PhD. The PhD. I told her like, slap me upside yeah. the head if I ever say I want my PhD. So <laughs> I credit you. Well, Zach, I hope you don't change too much because you know what PhD stands for, right? Um. Well, yeah, but it sounds like you... you... Permanent head damage? Ah, there you go. <laughs> I thought something was coming, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I hope you don't... I hope it doesn't change you too much. I'm, I'm totally messing with you, but... So do you have any advice, you know, for young adults who are called to ministry? One of the main pieces of advice I can offer is to... Uh, is to just try things right now. I think that's where the church is at. We, we know that things need to change, but we're not sure how. Um, but... Um, uh, I think that that God has gifted the church with all of the things that the church needs to um, to proclaim God's uh, message and to proclaim the gospel. And so there's new pathways to be made, and we just need people to have courage to to make them. And so, yeah, I think uh, step up, be brave, and uh, just rest in the, the knowledge that, that God has equipped you to do it. What about congregations? Do you have any advice for congregations who might be considering, you know, um, having— know what you guys are doing now with the mosaic and co-pastoring you know any congregations any advice for congregations who might be considering this specifically mosaic Mm -hmm. i think for congregations that are considering mosaic they should uh before their pastors come make sure they know um what it is they they hope to to gain out of the program um and to develop their their vision really strongly um one of the roles of the pastor is to be a vision caster but so often in methodist churches and specifically with mosaic um it's a limited time that that pastor is there so i think if they have a a a solid foundation that that pastor can can work from um they're gonna uh, jump start their success early on Mm. okay so young young adults who are called to ministry what 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 should they do but but I want to go back and highlight the boldness of the pastor who directly asked you if you were interested in ministry, right? What can current church leaders, young and old, what can they do to encourage more young adults to respond to their call to ministry? Um, the phrase that comes to mind is urgent hope. Uh, I think that uh, we often those of us who have been involved in leadership in the church know there's this urgency that needs to happen uh, in order to see the growth that we're, we're called to. But sometimes that urgency is missing the hopefulness. And so I think rather than seeing young blood and wanting to just take the young blood and use as much of it as you can for your own you know, will and your own desire of what the church should look like. Um, you can't you can't treat people like that, but rather right, to see right. them as uh, someone that could be a partner and to welcome them into partnership, to invite them into partnership, I think would be the best thing. Thank you so much. So you probably listened to maybe some of our podcasts and we end our question and I see you brought some cookies. I did. So did you bake them? Because you have your, wait, wait, Methodist 
Muffin Monday. So you like to bake. I do. So did you bake these cookies or did your wife bake them? Who's the baker in the house? Well, my dad, uh, he he actually uh, has worked at a donut shop since he was 16. So the whole family uh, is a family of bakers. Uh, My wife made these these cookies here today. (laughs) Yeah, but um, all of us love to bake. Awesome. So if you can pick one food to eat for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no variations, what would it be? Oh, this is tough, but, uh, I, you know, I think it would be uh, barbecue chicken wings is what I'm going to okay. go with. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Wow. Yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, I feel okay. confident about that. YOLO. YOLO. Okay. So do you make your own or is there like a uh, no. restaurant that yeah. you like, this is this is the go-to? Well, I'm pretty flexible, uh, but <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, I, boneless, I would okay. say. Yeah. Very cool. So thanks again, Zach Wooten, for being on the show. Zach is the pastor with Donald Kirshner at First UMC of Mount Holly. They have Sunday worships at 10 a.m. So if you happen to be in Mount Holly on a Sunday, visit them and share them our Uncovered Dish love. Thanks, Zach, for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you again for tuning in today's podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to uncover or any comments for us, you can email them to podcast at gnjumc.org. We will be posting a new podcast every other Wednesday. So if you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to be up to date on the latest episodes. We'll talk to you soon.